I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hello, and welcome to the first ever Off The Beat and Track podcast. Well, this is new. Never done a podcast on my own before. Uh, usually put out our podcast, Hulk Listing, with my partner in crime, Chris Glasson. Uh, that still is out every Monday for you guys to, to enjoy over on the Distraction Pieces Network, which whilst we mention that, thank you very much to said network for putting out this podcast. Um, I really appreciate being part of that network. Um, I mean, you know, really good company there with some 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 fantastic people that have got brilliant podcasts and it's it's a privilege to be to be included in that network. So yeah, thanks to those guys. Anyway, off the beat and track podcast. Let me tell you how it's gonna work. So each week there's a guest and ahead of them turning up to record the podcast, I send them seven questions. And them questions are basically me requesting a track from them, a musical track. Each track that I request is in relation to a point in their life. So as this podcast unfolds, uh, you, it will basically soundtrack their life from, from early doors to, to recent times. So you'll get to hear, you know, a real cross section of, of, of their life. And, and I've, all the guests are, are going to be sort of creative artists, whether that be in, in, in music, in, in TV, film and art, etc. So um, it, it, it's something I'm really, really proud of and really enjoyed chatting to these people. And, and most importantly, I should say that um, each series is going to be based on a certain location. So the first series is Essex, uh, which is my home county. Um, where I've, I've I've grown up, and and I speak to the guests that that, that are all grown up in in Essex, and and ask them how growing up here has has affected their creative path, and and what effect it's had on it, and uh, and hopefully you're going to really enjoy it. And what I should say as well is because of the licensing regulations and whatnot about playing music on podcasts, I'm sure you know a bit about that well we can't always play all the tracks so what i will do for each episode is upload a spotify playlist of the guest choices um so just go and search off the beat and track podcast on spotify and you can have a listen to all the tracks that our guests pick what i will say as well is any 
social media stuff I do regarding each episode, all the posts and that, I will include the link to the Spotify playlist so you can go and get stuck in over there. Um, please follow me on social media. I'm on Twitter, Instagram and, and Facebook, just off the beat and track podcast. I'm sure you'll find it. Um, and yeah, so the first guest, um, it seems ridiculous that he wouldn't be my first guest. And I'm sure most of you presumed he would be my first guest. Um, it's my fellow Essex comrade and distraction pieces network boss and rapper, poet, actor, whatever you want to call him. But I'll call him my friend. And he is my friend and he's a dear friend and he's Scroobius Pip. And so please enjoy the first episode of Off the Beaten Track with Scroobius Pip. And you will also notice for about the first 10 minutes, I'm really nervous. Then I have a shot of whiskey and we relax a bit. Enjoy. See you at the end. It's Off the Beaten Track podcast on the Distraction Pieces Network. Me, Stu Whiffin. Okay. Hello, mate. How's right. it going? Yeah. Yeah. All good. All good. So, and look at you being all professional. And, oh, no. Do you know what that was? Writing stuff out and everything. That and was, being all... This is the most organised I've ever been for a yeah. podcast. Um, I've actually got all sorts of notes and stuff which I've never done before, but it's going to be weird because be fun. It's just me. Oh, and you. Yeah, but... and me. I'm here as well. Let's not forget that. But uh, it's not me and Chris. But no. um, yeah, so we're going to pick pick seven tracks. Yes. And I've sent you them in advance, and you've sent me over, so we'll play a little bit of them. But yep. it seemed fitting to start things. And the first question I asked you was, "What is the greatest intro to an album ever?" Well, I mean, this was the one I probably had to think about at the least. Like, there's others I am denied over, but this one, yeah. It came straight to mind, and yeah, well, I've, I've I've gone for a Rage Against the Machine bomb track, which is a well, it's a banger, isn't it? It's just the slow build to the absolute intensity. Do you know what? Whenever people do these things, when they talk about the greatest opener ever, I'd never have considered this until yeah. you said it. Like, let's wait for the drop. It's just amazing. That's how you yeah. start an album, isn't it? Yeah, completely. And and particularly for a band that's known for the, the, their lyrics and their guitarists, essentially. Tom Morello and Zach are the two most known. It's a baseline intro that just absolutely kills. And yeah, I love it. So what other considerations were there before you settled on that? Or was it just literally straight to rage? That was the... the, the the one that I straight to because it's also the start of the album mm-hmm. so it's literally it's the ultimate intro it's the mm-hmm. intro to that song and the intro to that album that was in my opinion like I've been been saying for a, a while I want to do a little podcast of of perfect albums mm-hmm. because um, me and my mate Stu Tell have always argued over like the per- a perfect album and Rage Against Machine Rage Against Machine is is perfect in in that way for me and that that introduced me to them. That introduced me, in many ways, to rap. I guess because they were the first, 
they were before new metal, mm-hmm. and it was, it was when I was a little metaler and a little punk. We'll, we'll get on right it. onto that later on. Yeah, we I've will. Going through your choices, I can see that that features pretty heavily throughout the whole of uh, your playlist. And I wanted to go super honest on it all and not just try and be cool and pick these great tracks. So right. it's yeah. Do you know what? That was the first thing I thought. Right when when I sent you the questions over, I thought, oh for fuck's sake, he's going to pick a load of tunes I know nothing about, and he's just going to be. There's going to be loads of spoken word stuff in there, but there's not. You've just literally gone for a majority of stuff that I play most weekends at the uh, yeah. <laughs> your local indie club. Oh, that's it, because spoken word wasn't something I got into until really late. And hip-hop even came after punk for me. So mm-hmm. it was punk and hardcore and metal and rock that were the first things I was into. So as this kind of revolves a lot around the first, or the teens, I guess, the yeah. early music, uh-huh. this, this, it, it had to be the soundtrack, really. See, I think, as I said, we will get on to like the new metal and 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 the, and the stuff as we go on throughout this. But for me, a lot of that when I hear now, when I hear it now, just sounds dated. Yeah, I don't think Rage sounds dated. Rage doesn't at all. No, and that's it's because it wasn't part of new new metal. It was long before new metal, and it was nothing to do with new metal. Mm. Um, yeah, Zach had good lyrics and good delivery and good flow and good intensity as much as i loved limp biscuit and head mm-hmm. pe and papa roach my love for them diminished hugely the more i got into hip-hop and realized how many lines they'd stolen yeah how many lines they'd borrowed how many how average they were at rapping yeah. to be quite yeah, yeah, blunt yeah, yeah. that didn't happen with zach zach remained credible in that way yeah so. they're for real that's yes yeah. that's not never to be questioned i don't think and obviously we're talking about Essex throughout the whole of this. Yes. And obviously, it was an Essex boy that set up the campaign to get Rage to number one as well. Yes, indeed. uh... I I remember that happening, and I remember not caring that much initially, because, Mm -hmm. again, it's one of them that it's like, at that point, even though I was making music, I think, at that point, it was like, who cares about the charts? Mm. The the music I'm into has never been about the charts, therefore it didn't mean that much to me. Yet, when I had the radio on, when they were announcing the Christmas number one, mm. and when it made it, I genuinely was emotionally excited yeah. and invested, despite how cynical yeah. or, or not cynical, I wasn't against it. I never yeah. spoke out against it or said it's crap, but I was like, yeah, well, go on then, enjoy yourselves. I yeah. don't really care. Um, but it did mean something because it yeah. was the alternative clubs I used to go to were, I mean, it was the alternative kids, but quite literally, it was a, a the outcasts. A lot yeah. of people will know Essex as the only way is Essex, and yeah. not that. The Essex I grew up in was ever like that, but it was a lot more trendies, as yep. you'd say, or garage kids or whatever else. Mm-hmm. And you go and back not to so the much 80s, alternative kids. And it was that that generation of what were known as, you know, Sharon and Tracy's with the, the car stickers on yeah. the on the front of the escort XR three eyes. And that, that was salt to soul blaring through your sound system in your car. That was that was Essex. And and that was it. When Rage went to number one alternative music had become far more mainstream and pop. Yeah, of course. So it didn't feel like it meant anything. As soon as it got to number one, it flashed me back to being that kid in the clubs. And the clubs I used to go to, because they were the only clubs in Essex, I didn't have to wear shoes to go in. Yep. I literally, Chris will contest or or will confirm this, that I I never went out with him and Mark and all that over over Las Vegas, because you had to wear shoes. And I wasn't that kid. I was... Ripped or baggy jeans, some trainers. I wasn't. I wasn't up for that. Putting on shoes. And again, the fact is, 
even most of my mates who went to that, they weren't into the music. They yeah. were just going to meet girls. But I wasn't willing to make that sacrifice as such. I was like, no, I don't want to... My thought was I don't want to meet the kind of girls that are there, probably. But do you not think... Not meaning that in, in, in some no, but way. You, sure, yeah, I get that. I get that. But I, I guess I was probably more like Chris as well. We, you know, there was a club in Grace called Pizzazz. Yeah. I mean, for fuck's sake, it was called Pizzazz. Of all the names, I mean, that is about as Essex and as 80s as, as it gets. And, and every Thursday, uh, I mean, I had a, all manner of shit haircuts then not that I've got anything yeah. particularly special now but <laughs> every Thursday I will put on a pair of trousers yeah and and a pair of shoes because uh, yeah, I mean it just still seems alien to me that that kind of concept of to go out you have to wear trousers and shoes to go and dance it's like and why there's no logic behind it you're still going there on on drinks offers to yep. get smashed and act yeah completely uncivil yeah so why have this illusion of civility yeah when you're going i think i benefited from being a few years younger than you in that my mum went to pizzazz and to tots and she's obviously a lot she's obviously before you were going there she's a lot older than you but because of that those particular ones and you don't want to go somewhere your mum used to go obviously she wasn't going there anymore she got a bit older but it was one of them Pizzazz and Tots, in my mind, was yeah, was stuff my mum used to go to on on a night out with her mates and, and with as, her other mum mates. And aside from the, the one time we tried it, when not not me and you, but um, as as a club, we tried it for the first ever. We are lizards. Um, them clubs also were strong believers in the slowy. Yeah. And uh, yeah. at a certain point in the evening, uh, Pizzazz, I think it was, I think it shut at two, so it was generally at about twenty to two. <laughs> yeah. Boys to Men, End of the Road, Million Love Songs, Take That, and I think it was called If Only for Tonight by Dina Carroll. Yeah, uh, they, they were the three uh, slowies where you would... I guess it kind of gave you a shortcut to, to approach a girl because I was never good yeah, at it. Yeah, And so you could just go, oh, do you want to have a dance? It's a spit in the hand and a slick back of your hair. You're the one that hasn't pulled yet. Yeah. And you're going, come on, let's just... Let's give you that extra little chance. Yep. Let's clean you up at the yep. end of the night. Here you are. And yeah, that never appealed to me. But again, I mean, I'm sure we'll get into this kind of thing as we go along. I was a late kind of, I was a very n- nervous kid, obviously, as then yep. I started. I've, I'm a kid, I, I was the kid at school with a stutter. So I was a bit, I was a bit nervous. I was a late bloomer when it, it came to girls. The first girl I ever kissed was at, um, at one of your nights at the, what was the one in, what was the one above the beehive? The bullseye. The bullseye. At the bullseye. So yeah. that was the first time I kissed the other, which means I was old enough to be going out and things like that. Yep. So, but that was because it was an alternative club that I could go to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That wasn't all the way in South End or all the yep. way in Romford or wherever else. Yeah, so, yeah. It's a weird one. All right. Well, let's let we, we're going to get on the clubbing because uh, that does feature in one of the questions a little bit later yeah. on. But so track two. Yes. The song that reminds you of being at home when you was young. Right, no, no, that wasn't track two. Track two was the first song that um, that you felt emotional, or the one you've got here as track two. It's completely right. It's completely right. Yeah, it is. <laughs> it's the first record that, that that had an emotional impact on yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, and uh, again, I was careful on that because this was one I told over a bit. And the fact is, as a little emotional emo before emo existed kid, there's too many there, and they're too obvious. And in reality, not to discredit myself at that age. 
they weren't real emotions. There's there's Counting Crows songs and Third Eye Blind songs yeah. and all them that are your classic tick the box, a girl's broken my heart yeah. or I'm too scared to talk to a girl. Yeah. So I went for kind of the first time I felt I had kind of a grown-up emotional moment. Good. Oh, right. I'm glad you said that. All right. Because when you sent that over, I just thought, well, this was when I was little. Yeah. Like, yeah. So that was it. It wasn't is when I was, uh, there's a few of these, but it was when I was working, I think I was working in HMV when I first heard it. So I would have been 18 or 19 and I'd never heard it before. And I thought of myself, I was the typical kind of, I'm a ska punk kid, but yeah. I'm into Rancid and Green Day and things like that. Yeah. And the Pistols. Of course I love the specials and all these other ones, but I knew Message to You, Rudy. I knew Ghost, Ghost Town and yeah. all the obvious ones. And I hadn't heard this track. Um, and it, it it came on out the back in in again. I, I credit my time in HMV for a lot of my m- musical development because there were people who would just put stuff on that you wouldn't have heard otherwise. So it came on out the back and it just it hit me. So yeah, it's the specials. It doesn't make it all right. Okay. Let's have a little bit of that. Love this joke. Such a good song. The writing is so beautiful. And the tempo. The, because I knew the specials and the punk I grew up on or whatever was all had to be yeah, fast. Yeah, 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 of course. It was a lot faster than this. It's a great tune, yeah. And so that jolt did you have? Um, it was just a beautiful one that it really, uh, it's weird because not being born around then, it's odd because Scar was associated with the skinhead movement, mm-hmm. yet the skinhead movement was also associated with racism in my mixed mind of, in my mixed memory sure. of, of or, or my mixed knowledge of history. It was then I later found out that there was the skinhead movement of fashion and whatnot and the skinhead movement of of, of silly races well, kind of around the time of the specials it would have been the, the sort of the, the, the second sort of the second coming of Skinhead which kind of it was thrown in with that kind of oi movement yeah. and then you know you had the bands like Screwdriver and that that yeah. was just full on right wing pieces yeah. of shit um, and that's what meant all the more that the specials would have had a lot of, of Skinheads the good and the bad kind and they wrote this song that was about racial equality and, you know, just just everyone getting on. Um, just because you're a black boy, just because I'm a white, doesn't mean I have to hate you, doesn't mean we have to fight. And yeah. things like that, it, yeah, it just really hit me. And it was so slow and beautiful. And it was, it, I guess it was around the time I got more of... of I, I developed my knowledge of punk outside of just what had happened in my teens okay. um, and realised that the power of the Sex Pistols, of some of the Clash, but of the specials and things like that, was to do these moving or hard-hitting songs that, that didn't have to go 100 miles an hour. Mm-hmm. And I think the Pistols are a prime example of that. In my mind, the Pistols are all fast. Yep. You put on Nevermind the Bollocks, yeah. they're slow songs, mm-hmm. but they had that energy and aggression without having to throw it at you quickly yeah. and yeah this was just one it was also um i've got i've got i've got a mixed race family 
and I think around that time my I would have been babysitting my cousin a little bit and it was you know we grew up in an or we grew up in an area that's got a bit of racism and a bit of that kind of thing and not that I'd ever experienced it th- that much myself mm-hmm. but at a time where I was I was babysitting a little kid who was mixed race and the idea of someone being racist to that perfect little human mm. um, just infuriated me and, and, and filled me with a rage. Every, every time every time I've got in a bit of a scrap on a night out, it's been because overhearing someone either being racist or mm-hmm. sexually aggressive, uh, let's say, I've never got in a row for someone mugging me off because... You've met our mates. Yeah. We mug each other off constantly. We yeah. know how that is. So <laughs> they're, they're it, never going to go anywhere that we ain't been already. Yeah, exactly. So, 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 yeah, it was just hearing a song that just really, and again, it's the specials kind of thing of. There's a lot of, a lot of punk I loved. It felt like you covered up the. Let's be frank. Inability to sing. By going fast, yeah, and this he doesn't he doesn't sing that perfectly. That's no. kind of off key, off tone, everything. Yep. But the pride in the content and the message just yeah, it blew me away. And the openness of that, I think, it's easy to sing if you've got an amazing voice. Yeah, it's probably not as easy if you've yeah. got an all right voice, but you've got the lyrics and the everything else there. Yeah, yeah. And again, he's got a great voice for what it is. But again, yeah. I think we can agree it's not a traditional... No, everything you've just said about the specials, you could say about Essex Finest, Billy Bragg. Yeah, yeah, you know, completely. If you've got something to say, you yeah, know. They're, they're, they're people that, because of their content and because of their writing and because of who they are, it's amazing. But if they got up unknown at a karaoke, yeah. you wouldn't be like, oh my God, yeah. this person needs to have a 30-year career. Uh-huh. You know, so yeah. Was that good choice? And I didn't see that coming. And I quite, and I, I knew at some point you'd be pretty smart with it. And I, I, yeah, the fact that like the first track that had an emotional impact on you was you already had pubes. Yeah, so, uh, but that was it. It was it, the, there's ton, there's so many songs that I can think of that I cried to as a teen yeah. because a girl had broken my heart and things like that. And I put them on now, and it seems hilarious. It's that, raining that that in Baltimore. Yeah, 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 yeah. All, all of that stuff. I, I genuinely, and you'll play, I, I remember one time at the at the Pink Toothbrush, right. m- me and Tom Cole's there and we'd both had bad relationship things happen. Right. And us dancing almost in tears as um, um, Embrace, Come Back to What You Know played. <laughs> Which is the most cliched of it, but we to us at that time it meant everything. Yeah, we'd both had these. We were both going out with girls who were good mates. And yeah, me and Tom were good mates, and they'd both gone wrong at the same time, kind of thing. Let's come back to what you know. <laughs> to, and again, all that, but that's not real emotion. It's it's not real emotion. It is at the time, but it's not real emotion. It's something you have to go through to find out what real emotion is. I, I totally agree, but and and I think that. There's a certain sweetness to that, and it's nice to kind of revisit it. Yeah, because you know all the bands that I grew up that that there were them albums for me, which you know was things like REM, County Crows, and, yeah, yeah, and and I loved that that first Embrace album. I, you know, I, I thought it was it was beautiful, but I listen back to it now. 
Night Swimming, a, a girl I went on one date with played that to me, and for years that song broke my heart. It was just the most beautiful. It's like, it's a good song. Oh, it's, it's, a it's got song no emotional attachment anymore. <laughs> it's a great song now, but for years it was like, oh, yeah, it's so beautiful. All right, so we look. Let's 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 actually go back this time. I yes. don't think you can be too clever for this one. So the song that reminds you of your school days is going to be track three. Yeah, and again, I couldn't. There was a period that I would have been embarrassed of this, and now I couldn't be more proud of it because this song and the album it was on, I would say, literally changed my life. As as dramatic as that sounds, it was something that was going on at the time that just. I was into music, I loved music, but I'd never been so connected to something that was happening at the time. All the music I was into before that was Hendrix and the Stones and stuff like that. Then this single, and, and again, there's songs I prefer on the album. You, how old was you then? So I, I was at school, right. so I would have been, so before college, so I would have been 12 or 13. When did it come out? 92, 93? Well, 92, 93. Yeah. So yeah, 12. Yeah. I was born in 81. Okay. So 12 or 13, and going to gigs at 14 yeah. at 13 or 14 to see this but yeah it's it's Green Day Basket Case would have been a good intro as well this mm. yeah just straight in I am one of those melodramatic bulls neurotic to the bone no doubt about it Again, it doesn't rush. It's that slow build. It all keeps setting up. It's amazing. It is, it's, it's. You want to call it pop punk? I don't know what you want to call it. It is pop punk. It's perfect, isn't it? It was perfect, and it was at that time that that video came out, and that and that launched pop punk. That was it. Offspring, I loved as well, and all sorts of other stuff. But yep. that was the one that you just went. This is the coolest guy ever, Billy Joe Armstrong. I've yeah. never. That was the first time I'd idolised someone who was alive or felt within. Obviously, it wasn't in my age group, but felt. Yeah. We're in reach and relatable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I started wearing. I remember my 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 general a, f- a few years later, but my night out. So again, you're saying about we getting tr- 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 dressed up to go out to to pizzazz to meet girls. My alternative club night out outfit was a black shirt and a red tie. Yeah, which was Billy Joe Armstrong with a fucking chain on my wallet hanging yeah. out the side, a padlock round my neck. I bleached my hair. I do all, me and my mate Rick. Rick was a few years older than me and he dyed his hair like exactly as this came out and it was the coolest thing in the world and yeah. I couldn't because of the school I went to I was like I'm not going to be allowed I sprayed it at one point so I had the hairspray that comes out quickly but I loved it and it, it meant everything and as I was going to say there's songs on the album now on 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 Dookie that I like more mm-hmm. um, but that was the one that I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. 
In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombus, we've always said our socks, underwear, and t shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Just, it launched it all. I did, I, I, I did art at school and you have them big... A one art folders, mm-hmm. and you're allowed to, to draw something on it. And I copied the Dookie album cover. Oh, I didn't that, get that, all of it. That's in. quite an intricate design, yeah, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, I got a lot as much in as I could, slave. and just had that. And yeah, so it really that's because of carrying that as well. Yeah. It was at the point I'd. You want to make a statement at that age, don't yeah. you? Do you know what I mean? You want to wear your colours on your sleeve and go, "I like this." I used to have to get the train to school, and could I, yeah, I was going to say you didn't go to school. Like round here, did no, you? No, I went to school in South Ends. Right. So we had to, to get the train at ten past six in the morning. So for listeners, because you live in Stamford, I yeah. won't give you full address. Yeah. Um, but uh, that's even to drive that's half hour, isn't it? Yeah. Right. Yeah. So it was the train and a bus, or train and a walk. And um, so was that on your own? There was a load of other kids that went to the the same school from Stamford. In my year, I think there was three others. But my, my brother went, who was yeah. a, a few years above. So there was always kind of older kids doing the journey as yeah. well, and it was all kind of organised in that way. But I'd, I'd, I'd miss the train on purpose to, 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 to listen to more music on my CD player. On, on my little I was going to say, did you have like a little discman? On my little discman that, that, that ripped the pocket of, 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 of my jacket. They were too big for pockets, weren't they? They were. They'd ripped the pocket of my school jacket. And yeah, it was tough because this is... This isn't a spoiler, it's an anti-spoiler, but a, a, a Rancid aren't on my list. And Rancid and Green Day were the two. And I'd say if I had to pick an album, it'd be Rancid and Out Come the Wolves, because that was the one that just... Is that the one with Time Bomb on? Yeah, yeah. See, I don't Time know Bomb, too much Ruth, about... R- 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 Radical and all that. And they were the ones, I guess, they had more punk credibility. You wouldn't necessarily put them as pop punk. You yeah. put them as ska punk or ska something punk else. Ska would have, yeah. And uh, Tim Armstrong ended up good mates with Joe Strummer and working with Strummer a lot. So I'd add that credibility, but yeah, Basket Case was just the one that it blew me away. And it, 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 it was the first time I was obsessed. So I went, I had to go to, there was a CD shop in old Corinum mm-hmm. and I had to go in there and ask if they could order in Kaplunk and Thousand and Thirty Nine Smoothed Out Slappy Hours, which were the two albums that came yeah. before Dookie. I think one of them I got my uncle to buy when he was on holiday in America, along with an Operation Ivy album, Energy, which, again, that could have been on the list because I love those guys. But, yeah, before that, I'd buy the best of Jimi Hendrix yeah. or the two different 
best of the Rolling Stones yeah. or the best of the, do you know what I mean? All that yeah, kind of, this yeah, is the first time I was yeah. like, I need to own everything by these guys and play all of it and know all of it and know every word and know yeah. every every moment. So, yeah. Did you enjoy school? Um, Did you have your stutter at school? Down. I had my stutter at school, yeah. So I got my stutter when I was about four or five. I had a holiday in France and I almost drowned and that's where it comes from. Um, it's a weird one. I wasn't one of the cool kids by any means. I wasn't one of the hard kids, which is more important than cool kids. Um, but I don't think I was one of the nerds either. Partly, I wasn't clever enough to be one of the yeah. nerds. So I was kind of in that middle bit. And it's why finding punk meant the world because that yeah. gave you that identity yeah, definitely. it's like i'd have a laugh and i'd be quite f- funny within my mates but i wasn't outgoing yeah so it's not like i was i was entertaining everyone and yeah it was finding that those bands at that time of, gr- of green day offspring and rancid and then going down the whole lookout records route and and getting into to screeching weasels and just any band that's got a re- Ridiculous name and is mm-hmm. roughly from Orange County. And 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 back at that point, it you know it, it it involved a bit of work and it was a bit of a journey to to get your hands on this stuff, wasn't yeah, it? And yeah, so it kind it of effort. made it you know you, you liked it that much more because you had to go out your way to get it, it save your pennies, world, yeah, and yeah. You, you couldn't just jump on the internet and, and watch them on YouTube. It, you know that yeah. that weren't happening at that Completely. point. And going to gigs as well. Again, it, we, we live it out in Essex. So mm-hmm. again, at that stage, I guess I'd get a lift off my mum and dad, but. My first should just point out the last drunk cast, you also got a lift off your mum yeah, as well. Yeah, that helps. Um, yeah. So my first gig, I'm not sure, I can never remember because I went to two gigs in the same week and one was the Rolling Stones. What is that going That's off? Is that, I've, I've done a Chris, haven't I? Is that Chris's phone? Has Chris left his phone in? <laughs> there we go. <laughs> um, so I went to see the Rolling Stones at Wembley, yeah. which was amazing, but I also went to see Offspring. It's still going off, Stu. This is... Unbelievable. Is it just... This is disgraceful. I was going to try and make this one a little bit more professional. Well, there you go. at least it's a good, a good starting <laughs> bar to beat. But I also went to see Offspring on the Smash Tour. Yeah. And again, that was, I'd watch gigs, but, and I'd been to local bands or whatever, but this was in Brixton, I think. Brixton, no, it was at the Astoria, I think. And this was mosh pits and crowd surfing and people jumping off the stage in big DMs and smashing... Are your head open? And I loved it. So, do you find at this <laughs> point it. in school? Do you find, you know, because you know, at this point, I'm I was probably flying to, you know, the youngsters in the area that, yeah. that were the small little collection of indie alternative kids, rock kids, whatever you want yeah, to call yeah, them, yeah. skaters. And did you feel that there was many people at your school or or in your you know in your area that you felt a connection with that you could talk about this you know and, not and, loads it was me Mark Irvine Martin Birmingham and Dan Luzzi. and that was kind of and maybe David Burns a, f- a few years on but that was our kind of little group who were into and we could share our knowledge our limited knowledge and that was yeah we're into all this all this this pop punk essentially and yeah. they're the ones we'd go to gigs with. But yeah, it was as I said. It was early days. It was hard to get stuff. We were still young enough to not have any kind of disposable income. None of us so, were rich kids. So, so how old's Ian compared to you? How many? He's a couple so of years older. Three than years you? older than me. So, because yeah. w- w- obviously Ian was coming to my clubs as yeah. well. Then, yeah, so yeah, w- yeah, w- yeah. it was Ian's record collection growing at that point, and was yeah. you know was that something that you dip in and out of? And yeah, I, I reckon I got into Rancid off Ian. So I think I probably got into Green Day myself, and Rancid was one that was. The older kids' music a bit, and it blew yep. me away. 
and yeah, I definitely I'd borrow stuff and I'd listen to, to, to it again on the train. Um, yes, so he was definitely into more. He was he was already he got suspended for having an undercut and stuff like that. He yeah. was already a bit more. He was the 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 rebel. Yeah, the 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 tear away and had yeah he had a a, a lot of good music and was old enough to be drinking and doing drugs and meeting yeah. girls and I was just old enough to be listening to all that stuff happening yeah, yeah, in songs yeah. and imagining it and dreaming it and, 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 and making it up as well I remember at that age like pretending oh I used to go out to this girl yeah yeah it didn't work because I went to an all boys school yeah. as well so there's not girls yeah. at my school so everyone's making their kind of their fake coming of age stories and I'm like yeah I remember I had a, a, a fake girlfriend for, for ages called Katie How'd that go? It's all right. Ended badly. Heartbreak. When <laughs> <laughs> you got into Counting Crows. Yeah. Um, well, also, just like, uh, uh, visually, was like the likes of, like, because uh, Tim Armstrong, is that his name? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, strong look. Amazing and like, look. And, 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 and Billy had a, a strong look. And, and Billy was the coolest guy I'd ever seen, and Tim yeah. Armstrong then was the coolest like grown up, like yeah. he shaved head and individual spikes in his. What mold. about the one from Offspring? Because he was probably about seventy when they when they started when they broke through with Smash, weren't they? Yeah, yeah. Or the oh. or, or 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 Noodles was older than all of them. He gave himself that he nickname. He was the janitor definitely. at their school, I think. Apparently, Noodles. Not weird. Um, and that was Dexter. Something Dexter was the lead yeah, singer. Yeah. Um, and again, was just just cool as anything. Particularly as I guess that was it. I guess my brother had been into that first wave of Nirvana and Pearl Jam yeah, and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah. And I enjoyed that, but it wasn't mine. I didn't Yeah, yeah of course. It. I was going to say Day that. Green Day was the one that was mine. Yeah. Green Day was like, this is this is mine. This is the yeah. music I'm into. And it made me think of it because of the first Offspring single was yeah. essentially the moaning at the beginning um, of self-esteem is, uh, is sending out... Uh, yeah, a, teen spirit. A, a teen spirit. Yeah. And it was kind of... Already the backlash of that, and like, yeah, that's rubbish. Yeah, yeah. We're punks. Yeah. And again, it was all about chains and padlocks around my neck yeah. and all that kind of thing. And but again, all the temporary stuff. I wasn't. I didn't get any piercings at that stage. Yeah. I didn't properly bleach my hair until I was a bit older. And yeah, loved it though. All right. Well, we're probably going to end up going back. Oh no, it's probably around the same time. Look, looking at it, but for track four, um, I asked you to tell me what the first record you purchased was surprised you but right? you've come for an album so that's cool yeah i've gone for an album because again i wasn't a single a collecting type kid um so yeah it was ex exactly that i was just i remember i'd got a paper round yeah um and i'd got paid and this was the first thing i spent my wages yeah. on was this album yeah. um cuz i was thinking before that i had i loved the Last Action Hero soundtrack. Yeah, I was big into that. I liked a bit of Michael Jackson. I had Iron Maiden cassette tapes. Yeah, which I remember listening to on holiday. But all of that would have been bought for me by my mum and dad. Yeah, or by aunts and uncles on yeah. birthdays. And this was the first one that I remember going. I've been paid. I'm going to listen to this. And I yeah. remember just again p p putting it in my mini disc and walking up Balmoral Avenue in Stamford up to St James's East and West and doing my paper round and listening to this and being blown away. So it's Aerosmith. Get a grip. Was so the I've, album? I've chose a track because it's one of about three on there I know, and yes. it was the one that uh, that, well, that I thought was was one of the best ones on there. The one that I was—I think it was the lead single from the album. Yeah. And uh, 
What are your thoughts on Aerosmith? I loved them at the time. Again, they're not one I listen to anymore. But, again, at that time, they were... I guess that was it. Growing up into the Stones yep. and Hendrix and yep. stuff like that, this was a band that was out now and releasing now. Yeah, of course. That had that element yeah. to him. He was yeah. a hell of a front man. Solid single. Solid <laughs> single. Um... But yeah, also, you've got to bear in mind, I'm just coming of that age of noticing girls, yep. and they had Living on the Edge and Crying and a few other singles, and Crazy, was that which Alicia one? Silverstone Alicia and, 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 and his Liv daughter, Tyler. Liv Tyler, yeah. and they were the coolest, prettiest, prettiest, most exciting girls I'd ever seen in my life. Um, and yeah, again, I'd say... Both this and Basket Case, it came down to music videos as well. I think Aerosmith caught my attention through music videos. It was yeah those cool those cool people in the in in the music videos that that dragged me in. What was the video to Living on the Edge? Was he painted? I think it might have been. I'm not sure. I remember crying and and crazy. I remember one the of two. them. One of them was the one where they were in like the the car with a roof down. Yeah, and, and then the... and then. They meet a guy and he That's jumps right. in, yeah. and then they're all, and then they argue with him, and she does a bungee jump and sticks two fingers up. That's at right. Him. And again, it was it was cool as hell. It was like, oh, when, when you're at school, on? stuff like that's just just the best, isn't it? You know, and yeah. and, and oh, Jesus, Alyssa Silverstone at that point, that was time of clueless, I guess. Yeah. And, well, and just before that, I would have said would have been Empire Records, yeah. and yeah. And again, I loved Empire Records. I loved yeah. all of that, and. Again, it's. I went to an old boys' school, so I so there weren't there weren't. I didn't see a lot of girls. So as with, stupid as that sounds. So again, if you're t- you're too young to go to clubs or whatever else, Stanford yeah. never had a lot of youth clubs or anything like that. Yeah. So I wasn't going to any of them. So that was my kind of introduction to like these beautiful rock girls, rather than a few. I was going to say mates. that because at that point there was obviously you. You know, I'm sure we'll get on to hip hop and stuff yeah. as we we work our way through this. But at that point in them, them kind of early '90s, there was some serious stuff going on in hip hop and R and B. Yeah, with lots of booty shaking videos and stuff like that. Did that obviously it would have appealed to a certain degree? But did, was that scene not having any impact on you at that it point? Wasn't, again, at that age and growing up in an inc- incredibly white area, and again, it's an area that, uh, as, as, as we'll address a lot, has had issues with r- racism in the past Absolutely. and stuff like that. So I wasn't old enough to be finding... At that point, in the, the urban early music. 90s, that it would have been a very right-wing-held yeah. area, wouldn't yeah. it? Yeah, horrendously so. Um, so, yeah, I got into hip-hop l- late, but I got into it quick and heavy because of it being the in my mind the american brother of punk rock of 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 it being you know a a music for a voice of the voiceless a voice of the overlooked the lower classes so i think my upbringing in punk meant that as soon as i found hip-hop i jumped in with yeah with two feet, and it would have been the only place I could have found out about it was the 
probably three hip-hop songs that they play at alternative clubs. So a Cypress Hill song. Walk This Way. <laughs> Walk This Way. I mean, that doesn't even count, really. Yeah. But um, Concrete Jungle yeah. by Jurassic Five and Jump Around. Yeah. That, that was the three that they yeah. play at alternative clubs. Yeah. So that was my introduction to to hip-hop, I guess. And thank God I went past the in- I read past the introduction because I don't know if that's the, the most appealing intro. So this is a perfect link into the next... Next question, really, for, for track five on your album. It really and is. And uh, the song that soundtracked your clubbing years. And uh, to be honest about this, because I was in my clubbing kind of peak, and this was going to to, to, to Hollywood's in Romford, to Friday nights at the Brush, because that was the more metal night, and yep. Saturday night was the indie night, right, at yeah. the time. We never played Embrace on a Friday. <laughs> yeah, I, I went later. <laughs> um, but yeah, so... There was there was that, and then when I was living in the Midlands briefly, it was again you're finding your scene through the alternative clubs. Yeah, and it was, was that for a stint at uni. Yeah, yep. a brief a brief stint at uni. Um, and new metal had had happened, and at the time was the greatest thing in the world. And still being an angry, angsty teen, mm-hmm. the ultimate. I mean, I guess. Outside of Rage Against the Machine, the ultimate angsty teen song came about, and it was Limp Biscuit Break Stuff. Let's have a bit of that, shall we? Let's do it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it's wasted on me. It really is. Did this come out after their version of Faith? Yeah, yeah. It was after their version of Faith. That that was my introduction to them. We used to play Faith at at the clubs. And uh, and it was, you know, that little bit of irony where the the rock kids were were having it to... uh, To George Michael. To George Michael. Yeah, and it was great because, again, he he did have a way. He'd do his little, his California rap voice. Yeah. And then he'd go... Ripping someone's head off, yeah, and then just yeah. get the little shouty bits in. And now you listen and laugh. Yeah. As an angsty teen, I was like, yeah. ticked all the boxes, right? Ticked all the boxes, and it had just again a, a big build in the middle that just kicks back in just yeah. intensely. And Chris, Chris's favourite experience of me in a club was at the alternative club we went to in Wolverhampton. Can't think of the name of it now. Um, there was a girl that worked at the bar that was at my uni that was, again, I'd come from a small town in Stamford and this girl had tattoos and piercings and a cool haircut and was the most beautiful thing I'd ever seen yeah. in my life. But still, I'm, I'm, I'm too much of a nervous a nerd to, to go near anything. But we'd go to this club and I don't think Chris knew, but that's the reason we were going. Because mm-hmm. at some point when I'm ordering a cider and, and Ribena, we're going to have a connection. We're going to fall so in love. So is this the club that you the go to every change. week and talk, they never actually talk to a fucking... Yeah. Is, was that yeah, the, exactly. really from no, no Show? No, that isn't. But that, that, that is that right. same oh, right. situation. You, you were a serial fucking offender yeah, at that. Yeah, I was a, a, a serial offender <laughs> that. But, um, and we're in there and break stuff comes on and I'd drunk, a, I'd drunk quite a lot. I used to... Um, f- from the days b- b- back in Essex and you'll... You, you you will have seen on the way home from the drunk cast, I'm fine with throwing up. It yes, doesn't spin yeah, me out or yeah. make me uncomfortable. Season pro. So my thing, I used to be, again, being, you know, from a regular working class family, Yeah. 
We'd get drunk on the bus to Romford. Okay. I'd, I'd make a thing called concoction. So I'd put some vodka. So you say Romford. So is this Monday nights at Hollywood? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Monday and Tuesday nights they they went over to as well. But cool. yeah. So I want to chat about the clubs in the area. And, yeah, and, and that was it. So it was I'd um I'd make a con- concoction. I'm, I'm going off on on two stories now, but I'd have vodka. Um, pretty much anything I could find in my mum and dad's right. alcohol cabinet. So it'd have a bit of Disarono in or something yeah. like that. Just real parents stuff. Yeah. Um, cranberry juice. Yeah. And then... Healthy. All, a packet of Skittles minus the green and yellow ones. Sensible. And then they would dissolve. So it just becomes this sugary drink. You don't yeah. taste the vodka or anything. So I'd drink like a, a litre of that on the way there. Yeah. Go straight into the bar and order a Jack Daniels. Take it. Then go and throw up because whiskey makes me throw up. Okay. Um, and then I'd be able to get into the night get rather loose. than feel all uncomfortable as I'm getting a bit drunk yeah. of it or am I starting to go yeah. I've already thrown up yeah. and that was it but yes so that was my practice in Romford it translated over to Wolverhampton we'd get right. drunk beforehand and we're in there and we're having a good, good old dance and break stuff comes on <laughs> and it's building up I'd and love to Chris have seen have you a little dickheads bit. doing this but me and Chris again we used to be Dance floor vigilantes. Right, okay. When, when the motion was going on, there'd be big lads who'd just smash these small kids out of the way. And Chris ain't that big. I was, yeah. I was a bit bit bigger. But again, this is I'm going off this story repeatedly, but it's going to be worth it. At Hollywood, me and, and, and Chris would chat at the side and go, that kid's essentially bullying people. Yeah. We'd go, all right. And when this song kicks in, and we would just r- r- run across the dance floor and wipe them out yeah. as, a, as a kind of... A, a, a revenge thing but anyway we've been doing all that kind of thing for a few years now and it's getting really rowdy and it's building up and at the point where it's break your fucking face tonight the big kick jump up and hang off the rafters in this club they had metal rafters swing and jump into the middle of the dance floor um I wasn't on the floor for more than a few s- s- seconds before the security came and picked me up by my throat. Yeah. Carried me through the club and out of the club by my throat. Where was your um, vigilante partner at that point? He was. He was out dancing. I mean, it just kicked in. He can't be. He can't be taken responsible <laughs> for his not. actions at that he time. He was lost in music. He was lost in music. I can't, I can't even fault him for that. It's just um, one of them things. I genuinely got saved because one of the guys who was a bouncer at one of the other clubs was there and he was a mate from my photography course. And yeah. He was like, he's all right. He's just, just getting a bit carried away. Brilliant. So yeah, just jumping up, hanging off the rafters and swinging into the dance floor in my dramatic moment. Um, that didn't catch the eye of the girl that worked there that I fancied either, weirdly. So not sure what happened there. <laughs> Hello. I've interrupted the podcast again, haven't I? Sorry, it won't take a sec. All I want to say is, the songs that we're talking about in this podcast, if we can't play them, it's just because of the regulations regarding playing licensed music and such. So if you want to hear the songs, just go over to Spotify and search Off The Beat and Track Podcast and you can listen to all the songs because I've put playlists up for each of these. If you can't find it on there... I'll send links on all the social media accompanying each episode. So you've just got to press that one button and you can go through and you can enjoy all the songs that our guest picks. Anyway, I'll shut up, get back to the podcast. See you on the other side. So in regards to your hometown, 
Mm. Like obviously, there's no clubs in in Stamford. No, um, well, none that I went to. I went to the Rainbow Club a couple of times. Oh, of course, there was, wasn't there? There was the yeah, the the, 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 which was called the it was the Lunar Club was yeah, probably before your yeah, time. The Lunar Club. No, I, I used to go to the you did a Lunar Club underage, right? Because I had an older brother who was into this kind of, of course, thing, so yeah. I'd kind of I'd be and it's, it was was similar with a lot of the places that you know. The reason we broke into the brush for years was cheapness, but the reason yeah. we probably broke in the first time was because we probably didn't have ID and probably yeah. were, were, were worried that we'd get checked. So, yeah. um, so you can't be held accountable for that. No, you okay. didn't let us through the front door. That's fair enough. Um, but yeah, so th- there was the Lunar Club, but again, I think I was a, I was a bit too young. I'd go there and be incredibly nervous, and again. Yeah. Falling in love with girls, I'm I'm never going to talk to. Yeah, there was there was two or three that I just watch from a distance. And, we all done it, mate. And again, it didn't it didn't change even even when I was old enough. Me and Stu Turl again. We had names for a lot of people in 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 Hollywood's at Romford. Right, as there was Martin Middleparting. There was a guy of a, a Middleparting who had big big baggy jeans. We didn't like him. Yeah, it was the time that that. Dan Harris and yep, that lot yep, all going yep. there, and Dan Lasack, in fact, yeah, a little older, he was going along there, um, and yeah, there was a girl there that I regularly referred to as 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 Dream Girl. <laughs> I literally never spoke to her in my life. I think my mate Jay pulled her once, right. and that was heartbreaking. Okay, but she was there, and again, I'd always been like, she's the most beautiful girl I've ever seen. She's most, oh, she's amazing. And then one night, she turns up. Black shirt, red tie. Thankfully, I wasn't wearing mine that day. But yep. again, just the Billy Jones chunk type look. And I was just like, wow. But yeah, I still never spoke to, to girls at that stage. That was terrifying. It's not easy, though. I've, I've, I've worked in clubs for 25 plus years. And I've never been able to just walk up to a girl no. and go, all right, I can't no. do it. No. Like, I don't, I've no idea why. I just can't do it. I just have not got the confidence to do it. And it I, wasn't, I, I, I want to married. It, yeah, and that, <laughs> it wasn't until I got old and cynical and stopped caring about other humans yeah. and enjoying my own company more that I became more all right with it. Because yeah. I just, when I was single, I just didn't care anymore. Yeah, I was like, all right, I'll talk to a girl. Doesn't make any, any yeah. difference. It, it, it's that it's that lack of motive. And again, it was interesting because in the brush days, okay, the brush was a, f- a favourite to go to. But so this, is, this is where I worked, work the pink yeah, tooth brush yeah, the pink in, tooth in, in brush. Rayleigh in and Essex. I was there for a laugh with my mates. Yeah. And it'd spin me out when I had certain mates, I won't name names, yeah. who would be, if you pulled yet, if you had any luck. And yeah. that's all they were there for. And they're having a shit night if they don't. Yeah. I was there having a great night with Tom and with Stu and all this yeah. stuff. The times that we weren't kicked out. Oh, I mean, um, I mean, Tom would never have not pulled. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> oh, but the but my proudest memory at the brush was there was a girl I liked. And this was the girl that, that played night swimming. And and that I've talked about that I went on a date with and bottled it and didn't kiss or, or do what, anything. The, the cinema the one? cinema, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. okay. Just for anyone, just a quick update on that. Pip went to the cinema <laughs> um, and you didn't quite have the, 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 the courage to, to make a move. And, uh, and you actually, when the film finished, you... The credits ended and she clearly was waiting for me to make a move. I was like, all right, sh- should we go? She's like, no, let's, let's stick around a little bit. And I just stared at the screen until we had to leave because I bottled it as a little, as a bottler. But on this night, there was a girl I liked. And again, I'm there with Tom and Tom's a good looking lad and he's charming. He's confident. And he's confident. And we were having our dances and me and Tom, either me and Tom or me and Andy or me and Stu sometimes, our kind of go-to was have a bit of a, a sexy dance with each other. 
yeah. a joking one, comfortable yeah. with our sexuality, yeah. particularly in an area that can be homophobic Absolutely. at times. Things like. yeah. So we'd be like, who cares? Let's yeah. all we'll grind up against each other. Um, and I, I talked to this girl a little bit, and then it didn't go anywhere. And again, I bottled it. And then at the night, I saw her giving a number to Tom, and I was heartbreaking, broken. And then we get the cab home, and he's like, she told me to pass on a number. Yes. And it was my just big like, <laughs> I now have this slight tinge of paranoia that maybe Tom just threw me a sympathy bone there and, and <laughs> he might have done, you know, but it's Tom, so he probably didn't. Yeah. He was, he was, he was brutal in them days. But um, yeah, it, I was like, yes, I, I so got the girl. Did you ever venture into Southend and stuff? Yeah. yeah. Like, got, go I know we're, we talk, we're saying this is Essex, but predominantly it's going to be Rayleigh, and a like and, and South End and maybe Chelmsford a little bit. I didn't do much Ch- Ch- Chelmsford. I wasn't the reason I didn't go out in Stanford that much was I was never that into the local band thing. Yeah, which will be flipped on its head in a minute. But there's yeah. a reason for that. Um, so yeah, I was up for the hearing songs I know and love, and most of the local ones is in Stanford yeah. were live bands. Yeah. and Chelmsford it was live bands. Yeah. So it was the Brush. It was was going into Romford. For Hollywoods, or there was the one that's round the back of the seafront in yep. uh, in South End, and yeah, that was kind of they were my options, uh, uh, really. And and the brush for a long while was the last option, just because it wasn't as heavy. Yeah, and the others yeah. were more heavy. And then I got into more stuff and was more open and more. Yeah. But again, at, at those it, at that time, it's not like it is now. You were, I like punk. Yeah. I hate everything yeah, else. Yeah, of course, of course. Everything else is rubbish. My brother liked Suede, and to this day, I don't think I've ever listened to a Suede song because I was like, they're so rubbish. <laughs> you are Suede are the worst ever. Suede suck. And it was purely because of that at that yeah. time. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, but then. But that's an important part of finding out who you are, isn't hugely, it? It's brilliant. Hugely. It's wearing the, that identity that you've only just found as yeah. if you were born with that identity yeah. and it yeah. means the world. Yeah. I'm yeah. so different. Yeah. As you dress exactly the same as Billy Joe. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm so different. I'm, I'm, I wish there was somewhere that 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 had a, just a small amount of cool, cool, unique things. Oh, I'll go to Camden. They've got thousands and thousands <laughs> of small, unique things for me to get my outfit. Or oh yeah, in Southend. Oh yeah, was one that we'd go to. It was the little. Uh, Stoner shop that had all the the band t shirts in as well. You could buy like kind of like bootlegged like band t shirts, Jostics, um, anything made out of tie dye. Yep. Um, Hemp hoodies. Yeah, (laughs) hemp hoodies. Yeah. Gareth, the guy that worked behind there, was in his own band as well. I do do remember that. uh, He he was like he was a cool guy because he worked. You know, yeah. Yeah. It's brilliant. I love that. Absolutely love it. Um, All right. Well, let's. Should we? Should we move on to? I'll, I'll tell you what I did. Did you, at that point, when you was into the kind of new metal thing, I, I, was it of your was it in, interesting to you to go back and maybe check out Nirvana, Pearl Jam, Pixies, like? Oh, I'd been I'd been into Nirvana and Pearl Jam and stuff like that initially. Yeah. But again, this was now the stuff I'd found on my own, and that's yeah. that's all I cared about. It's right. it's it's funny how hindsight. I had someone recently saying because we recently had the ten year anniversary of Angles. Yeah. And some, and this lad was like, oh, I loved that and the album after it. And Dan jokingly responded saying, oh, you, you didn't like the third one then? Which is mine and Dan's favourite album of ours. Yeah. And the guy said, I liked it, but it's all about the time you hear it. And that couldn't be, be 
bit truer. Absolutely. For me, I would argue vehemently that Versus was so much better than 10. Yeah, I'd agree with you. But, but it's because 10 came before me. Yeah. And Versus came when I was there. Now, I probably enjoy 10 a bit more. Yeah. It's got the more, the deeper emotions, the wider yeah. range and things like that. But at the time, 10 was, I, was, I missed that. Yeah. Versus was the best. Yeah. I, I still go with Versus. I still yeah. go with Versus. Yeah. I. I Indifference and rearview mirror all day long. Yeah, yeah. Uh, all right, so let's let's move on to uh, track six on your album, Pip. Yes. Um, and so this one's very much about um, where, where, where we're sitting in and the area that we're sitting in. Yeah. Um, Favourite song from an artist from your hometown? So I've had to make this a double because the track I picked, I don't have a copy of. I don't know if they ever recorded a copy of, but I loved it. It was a band called I Shattered Gun. And the song was called This Britain. And they were the first kind of local band I went to and saw and went, this is amazing. This mm-hmm. is, the the guitar is amazing. The melodies, everything is, it didn't feel like a local band. Mm. And it blew me away. And um, some of my early days of writing and recording was because they... Where did you see them first? Um, it will have been either in Southend or maybe at the Surfer. Uh-huh. I didn't go to the Surfer as much as... People like to tell me I went to the surfer. Every time yeah. I talk to anyone, a local that I don't know that well, like, I used to go down the surfer with you. I went a handful of times. But so the fat surfer for anyone that's listening was, was a, like a working men's club in Grace that had yeah. a sort of function hall that uh, several different people run for a time. I run it for a time, and it was just a surfer pre- Steve and Soundman Jim yeah. and you and one or two others are the ones that feel like they're the the key. Other than that, things circulated. Yeah, of course, of course, yeah. But they were kind of the the heart of and, it. And it was a heavier alternative night, really. There weren't a lot of indie going on in them places, was no, there? I think it there was... was. There was a lot of... You'd, you'd get your little kids who were into... And who, who were, tr- were, tr- were trying to drink underage yeah. and things like that. And you'd have your bikers. Yeah. So it was that combination of the two. Yeah. So it, it, it lent on the heavier side because yeah. the bikers ain't going to want to listen to Oasis no. or, 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 or some indie nonsense. So, or suede. Or suede. Um, and I shot a gun just blew me away and... I started going because they practiced in Corinham, in old Corinham, okay. in the studio, Zoot Suit Studios, I okay. think it was called. And I just started going along to, with a bag of ciders and watching their practice. And I just, just sit there and get drunk and just be like, I love this. It's why I've not got it on CD, but I know it inside and out because mm. I'd hear it all the time. And there's a, a video in trying to find this. I found that there's a video online of a song I did uh, with them there as Scroobius Pip because. Right. I'd just hang out there and then I'd started to get a bit of hype around uh, what I was doing and they kind of went, you're kind of more successful than us and you're just uh, sitting there. Mm. Do, do you want to kind of get up and do something? And yeah, it's... And, and Warren from My Shattered Gun came on to produce and write a lot of distraction pieces with me at the album. Um I, yeah. I I saw I shouted gun a few times and, and I don't know if you remember I used to put out the, the compilation albums mm. like and uh, I was looking for that before I came round yeah. the trash society yeah. compilation yeah I think might not be that track I think it might have been that's what the, the, yeah. that's why I was I, I was looking for it early because in my mind I think yeah. you put it out on that and because uh, it was my mate Mike I think produced it right and yeah. uh, and, and and he sent me a few bands over and I do remember thinking. That was the strongest one of, of them all, and I yeah. never saw them live until 
supporting you guys at Chinneries, you and Dan, right. yeah, yeah, with yeah, producers yeah, yeah, with yeah. computers, yeah. and you'd, you'd played at Chinneries, and 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 they come on, and and it was, it's angry. They were electric. Like Warren, I think was just a great melodic writer despite all the fury if you know mm-hmm. what I mean it, it wasn't like your local bands that are just screaming he is screaming but yep. there, there's a melody and his guitar playing was yeah. next level then you had Paul Paul who was just handsome cool um, limited in ability on the bass I don't think he'll be angry at me saying yeah. but just he just he, he as soon as he was on that stage you couldn't I'd take your eyes off him and then they had Mark on drums and they would they went over to, to Ash on drums, and yeah, like we took them on tour a few times because because I was a fan of them. And then down the line, um, I also became a fan of Buddy Peace, who mm-hmm. I met through the, the Strange Famous lot, and I put him and Warren together, and they became w- w- one of the few acts that um, I put out on Speech Development Records as as as, as Warren Peace mm-hmm. and. So I've chosen a song from that because we can actually play yes, that. Um, and they had another kind of absolute sh- shining light of the local band scene in in Natasha Fox on the vocal. And this is a song that I probably listen to a few times a month still. Um, and yeah, it just b- b- blew me away. Just putting all of these together and Natasha's v- v- vocals, I think are just amazing. And Warren always had a bit of the block party about him yeah, with his definitely. guitar writing and his patterns. But putting him with Buddy Peace added the beats and the electric element of it. And then just this vocal, mate, blows me away. Because Natasha's two of you as well, hasn't she? Yeah. So Natasha was on Distraction Pieces yep. and sung on Feel It. And it's a weird one because I saw Natasha's band, the, the Sam I Am was the one. I Am Sam. See, is it Sam I Am. It's Sam I Am, yeah. I went that into them, to be completely yeah. honest. But the, 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 the style of music that they were making just wasn't for me at the time. Yeah. And she sung, y- Yilla got her to sing on, um, on Feel It. And I thought, gosh, she's a lot better than I realised. And then it wasn't until she toured, toured with us that I was just blown away by her her vocal abilities on War and Peace songs. We'd normally cover a Prince song at some yep. point, and just because I'd seen her early on in kind of punky bands or that kind of thing, yep. seeing her singing R and B and soul, and just seeing how powerful her voice yeah. was was yeah, it's amazing. She's got a huge voice, absolutely yeah. huge voice. Buddy Peace knows his shit, and they. Hold up. 
What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. But yeah, I've actually, I've, I don't know what's happening with any of it but i've heard a few bits of solo stuff that natasha fox was working on and the last one i heard was a track that she'd done with buddy peace and it's just it's amazing it's next level they're all again it's it's so it's so exciting and confusing to find these things that are so good and aren't the biggest thing in the world yeah um and, and war and peace were a great example of of like, like when I took them on the road, similar to to, to, to B. Dolan, everyone who watched them, everyone who turned up not knowing and watched them just be blown away by, by all of it. And it was, I mean, I feel it almost unfair that that Natasha w- would always steal the show a little bit. But because you've had Warren being shouty and Buddy being yeah. just head down, weren't they then end on a couple of songs where a beautiful young lady's coming on the stage and belting out this yeah hugely like t- t- a vocal that takes over the whole room yeah and make it's, no mistake she can do that live as well yeah yeah that was it it was always it was, it was at these shows her just strolling up she's quite short yeah it's only a little thing and would just belt I, it out amazingly was, I first yeah. saw her in Sam I Am and yeah. uh so I, never... I wasn't I wasn't against them it's just yeah. it didn't it, it, no, it, 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 to me it was like alright they're one of the the better local bands. They always had a lot of hype. They're about to be big. I was like, cool. They're talented, but it didn't yeah. they, they, bl- blow me away for some they, reason. They were probably on. They were definitely on one of the CDs I put out. Yeah. Um. I think the bass player ended up playing in Florence and the Machine. Yeah. I think. And, yeah, that's uh, true. And is it Natasha's? Um. Uh, is it a, a fella that plays guitar in Sam I Am? No, I don't think he was in Sam I Am. He's in Future Ages. Yeah, I think with them. Was he in Sam yeah, I Am yeah, as well? Yeah, I didn't yeah, even know yeah, that. Yeah. But. But yeah, I love their, their stuff as Future Ages, which yeah. is fantastic. And we had them play at, and a lot of that's we online. at South End, didn't we? Yeah, John yeah. Kennedy come down for that one to, to check them out. Yeah, and, uh, and they they smashed that. Mm. But yeah, I think they're great again. And but the thing was, in all of the bands, that was that, it. In Future Ages, it was allowing her, her or letting her voice off the leash. And and that was, and in Sam I Am, it didn't feel as if it was. It felt like that was so driven by the bassist and the drum and this and yeah. that and everything else yeah. on that one. Although again, everyone in Future Ages was. Yeah. ridiculously proficient on their yeah. instruments it was allowing her her vocal off the leash just to ah oh, go yeah. crazy I, when I first saw her um, in uh, Sam I Am a stage presence was, was yeah. and, and because in our area there wasn't many female fronted bands that was it mate even though I wasn't particularly into the Sam I Am stuff yeah. she, you couldn't forget yeah. I remember she, I remember after we toured for ages 
I I I, I let her know that I DJ'd at two or three of her gigs, yeah. and again, it's it stuck in my mind. It didn't stick in hers, but because yeah. she was that cool, yeah, that cool kid. She yeah. had a good haircut, yeah, whatever it was at the time, yeah, good clothes, good vocals, completely held a crowd of... as a front as a front person. She was fantastic. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah, and that's why it's great having her on 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 the first proper album I got to release mm. as a as a solo thing. Having her on distraction pieces was. Was massive, and particularly as we were covering my f- favorite ever Kate Kate Bush song, mm-hmm. and Kate Bush ain't an easy Which one, one to take that? on. It's f- f- feel it. All oh, right, that ain't an easy one to take on as a vocalist. And Natasha, the way I'd written it was it had the original vocal, and then I kind of spoken word r- r- rapped slash w- w- whispered a slightly changed male angle mm-hmm. of the vocal, um, and yeah. It was amazing. As soon as I got the vocal off, off Yellow, I was like, yeah, that's, that's fucking great. Because originally, I was going to get um, Rosa from Peggy Sue and the Pirates to do the vocal. And there was a few different female vocalists that were getting qu- quite big who were up for it. And Yellow was like, well, I'll get a couple of local girls to sing it as well. So we've got some layers. Yeah. And it'll be all back in. And as soon as Tash's one came through, I was like, we don't need to hit any of the others up. That's, yeah. that's the vocal. And again, it was meant to be a bit of layering. I'm sure yeah. he didn't tell Tash that. Yeah. Because he's yellow. He would have been like, yeah, no, it's definitely, it's going to yeah, be, it's yeah, going to be your yeah. big single. It's basically, it's, uh, uh, uh. Um, but yeah, that was meant to be kind of, there as a bit of a background vocal for, to be quite, quite frank, a more famous vocalist. Again, I was knocking about with a fair few from touring yeah. and that at yeah. the time who I knew. So there were some good options and, yeah, as soon as I heard it, I was like, right, no, that's 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 the vocal. Forget, forget fame. So, in, in regards to Essex, you don't play Essex very often, did you? No, it's a shit hole, isn't it? But I remember you played Chinneries. Did you play Colchester? You and Dan do Colchester? Yeah, we would have done Colchester, but normally at the uni. Right. And again, a uni gigs ain't the best time sometimes. Yeah. They're good for what they are, but they're not the best. But there's never been that much that many venues for us yeah. in in Essex and equally there's not that much of our crowd here yeah I always I've always had people say oh why don't you play at, at the Inn on the Green or something like that it's like because I'd get bottled yeah because they wouldn't be into it there'd be three or four people who were like he's off the telly he's successful or whatever the yeah. rest of them would be like who's this prick I yeah. see him and then three or four people would have been beaten up by the time your second song started yeah, yeah. yeah. so it's genuinely it's that and also, I mean, the boring technical side of things, me and Dan in particular, we were a digital band, yep. which meant that we had to have a decent tech spec mm-hmm. to give the impact it required. Of and we were really proud of how we sounded live and the fact that we didn't, because normally when you get to a certain size, they go, oh, you need to add a live band, yep. you need yep. to add this and that. And we didn't, because we're like, no, we write the albums about a live band, we need to add the right subs and the right things. And we held our own there, yeah. you know. We did huge shows, huge festivals and never needed a live band. But the irony is if we'd played the Inn on the Green or a pub, then we wouldn't have sounded good because no. it would have just sounded like a backing track and a vocal. Yeah. We wouldn't have had the layers that Dan... Dan would divide up all the bass lines, all the, every drum and have them coming out of different yeah. s- sides of the stage and all sorts of stuff, intricate. So if we turned up and played a small venue in Essex, it wouldn't have been... Us, it wouldn't I'll have been that. the I'll standard that. that we 
that we wanted to put out there because we didn't have the turn up with a bass amp and a bassist, a guitar amp and a guitarist and a drum and then go, you know? But but in, in regards to living where you live, did, did you find when you got to a certain age, all of a sudden, London's not that far? It's not that far at all, but equally, again, I was never an outgoing or confident lad. So I played everywhere in the country before I played locally because the idea of playing in front of my mates, mm. oh, that's horrendous. That makes me feel so mm. uncomfortable. Playing in front of strangers, I can go and be whoever I need to be. Yeah. And again, you, you will have had it. Chris had it. Everyone would have had it again. It's weird hearing him rap. Yeah. Because it's his voice. That's yeah. just his voice. Yeah. For people who don't know that that's just my voice, yeah, it's this new thing. It's a different impact. So I literally, I got in a van and went and played on the streets or in open mics in Manchester, in Birmingham, in Leeds, all around the country. And again, it was a double fake. So I'd go up there and I'd have my CD made and I'd wear a suit and I'd know my shit. I would have, have learnt my stagecraft well at home in my, in my bedroom or whatever. I'd go up south and they'd assume, because of the polishness of it, I'd, so I'd go up north, they'd assume I was big down south. Yeah. And that was the kind of fake. And by the time I came back south, I had a bit of a following. Yeah. So I had that. I had that kind of, I'm doing all right. Yeah. I, I can turn up and do it rather than either the bloke who works in HMV. Or did you get kicked out of the brush a few weeks ago? Kind of, do you know what I mean? It's like you, you don't want that. So, yeah, I, I never – I spoke about it or I hinted at it in, in one or two songs, but I was never a fan of of, of, of local a local band syndrome. And we've all had it. And, you, and, you, and you've had it in local bands. Mm. You were one of the local bands that a lot of the other local bands learnt off. But yeah. I think at times you had it the, the wrong way. You're playing a gig in London and you get in a minibus – full of your mates to go up there yeah. so you're getting a deluded view of how successful you are because yeah. every gig you've got a good crowd there it's like yeah. it's your mates and the fact is your mates are normally going to want to get in for free or yeah. gonna, do you know what I mean and things like that so it's like you're building this crowd that isn't if you said to them it's a fiver they'd be like oh I'll give it a miss Yep. so it's a, it's a weird thing and you get a lot of local bands and I've, I've been in one or two where they start to get a bit of an ego and think mm. we're the we're the bollocks. Yeah. I, I look at us and it's like, no, your mates are excited that their mates in a band and they can get some in somewhere for f- for free and might be be able to have a guy on your rider. <laughs> it's it's kind of it's a weird one, but you then you, you, wait, do, wait, you wait, get wait. that delusion. We learned quickly that the, the minute we went further than um, the coach company would uh, lay a coach on yeah. that we was playing two men and a dog. And that and, was uh, it. That, that's why I was like, right, I'll start at that and I'll build from that rather than think I'm above that at mm. any point. If you start off local and you've got 30 mates there, 30 doesn't sound like a lot, but it bloody is at, mm. the, at the start, then you think you're something that you're not. Whereas if you go in, I played, like one of the first ones I did was in in a cave in Buxton at some some festival that that allowed me to play. And literally there was three or four people there and I played my little ass off. And I did that all around the country, just playing in front of no, no one playing... In car parks, I did a car park in Derby. Just I jumped on top of a table and did my thing. And the person who owned the pub kind of came out and said, we've got an open mic on, on tonight and we've got a house band. Do you want to jump up and do a, a song with a house band? So I was, I was, I was doing it all like that. Yeah. So just trying to build that in a real way. And not, I said, not have that that backup of, oh yeah, we're... And, and again, the, the it gives you a bit of an ego and a bit of arrogance and a bit of cockiness. 
and that sometimes makes people take their, their foot off the pedal a bit or think they're they don't have to work as hard as they do because they're already successful. It's like you're not successful. I You've know. got local band syndrome. Yeah, it, it is. It, it is a thing. But it's nice to... It is still exciting. Like when you first find your mates and you go to a Green Day gig or whatever. Like yeah. it's like It is that thing when you're young and, and you're excited and all of a sudden you come off stage and there is, all right, there are your mates and they're all going, that was a great show. And yeah. like you do think... You can't help but spark off of that, you yeah, know, that, yeah, that, 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 that positivity that yeah. you just think, oh, this is great. And but I, I guess I had a combination then because it was it was more nerve wracking to me to play play my mates any of this yeah. stuff. So that helped that I was too nervous to play in front of them. So it meant I just 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 just, just went off and got good elsewhere. Essentially, yeah, yeah that but makes yeah. sense. I, I I I get that. Like we we went off to try and get tight, and we we did got we got really really tight. But that was just through playing twenty gigs and having the ability to play some of the songs we weren't too good at a few times because there was no one there. Yeah. <laughs> so I mean, just do that mate, one again, mate. Early reviews that would praise me and Dan and my solo stuff, the creativity of the live show, the the theatricalness of it. For that shout, I'd have a big Bible there, and yeah. I'd be reading out of a Bible. The reason for that is Thou Shout came out and went crazy too quick for me to learn the lyrics. Yeah. So I just had the lyrics in the Bible. I had a big Bible because I didn't know the words to the song. <laughs> Same with Letter from God to Man. It's like he gets a letter out and pretends he's reading it. I ain't pretending. <laughs> right until the end, I wasn't really pretending. And I had loads of stuff like that. When we did Tommy C, again, our first, like we blew up before we had an album, essentially. And it, all my stuff's quite wordy. So on our first tour, in fact, at, probably at Coco, when producers and that were there. Yep, so you yep, were there. We there. had a living room stage set. That's right, yeah. And I did a particular song where I pretended I was a newsreader. Yeah. Again, just just wanted the lyrics in front of me. <laughs> and, and we were praised for all this theatricality. And it's like most of the time the theatricality was me knowing that we had a tour and I've, I've not got, got time to learn it. Because yeah. me and Dan don't live in the same place. We can't yep. practice much. So yep. I'd get to practice it on the tour halfway the two, I didn't need them, but yeah. still, it was it was all it was all faking it. It was all tricks. Okay, okay, right. So we've got your closing track here, and this is. Mm-hmm. I've asked you to pick a song that most listeners probably haven't stumbled across, mm-hmm. and uh, and it's a song that that you would like to play them. Yeah. For, for why why do you want to play on that? Um. It's my favourite song of all time. Really? Yeah, hands down. Um, it's off an album that, again, my brother kind of introduced me to. And I'd got into j- j- jazz a little bit when working in HMB, so I'd kind of been opened up to that. And he played me this album and this song, and it it, it blew me away. I'll get into it more afterwards, but it's a Johnny Hartman and John Coltrane, Lush Life. Those come with May places Where one relaxes on the axis of the wheel of life To get the feel of life From jazz and cocktails The girls I knew had sad and sullen gray faces With distant hair traces That used to be there You could see where they'd been washed away 
Nice. His voice is just beautiful. It's velvet, and, isn't it? And when you start to learn a bit more about him, he should have been bigger than Sinatra and everyone, but he was black, so he wasn't. And he wasn't in with Sinatra. He was he was a black gentleman, therefore it was generally considered he had the smoothest and most just nu- nuanced voice of the time. And yeah, it, it always had to be kind of a smaller thing because he wasn't... He couldn't be the mainstream. I've never heard this. Um, obviously, I've got a few bits by John Coltrane, yeah. but never heard of this track. The thing that broke my heart—it's a long was, track as well. This isn't yeah, it, it's, yeah, and, and it, and it sort of almost doubles in time halfway through. It's, it's beautiful, no? Because what happens again halfway through? It's the respect that the two players have for each other, or the two artists. Because about halfway through, Johnny Hartman f- finishes, um, and John Coltrane essentially plays what he had played on his vocal. Yeah, he, he, he repeats the vocal essentially, but on sax. sax. And when Johnny comes back in... That's perfection, isn't it? It's amazing. didn't expect now, you to pick that now you'll know that i'm i'm incredibly driven and focused on work and that comes before everything and yep. for a lot of the time it comes long before relationships or anything else it's why i've had long periods of singleness and and you can't i can't talk, talk to, girls. to girls yeah um that ending line where she says earlier earlier on a romance is mush, stifling those who strive. I'll live a lush life in some small dive, and there I'll be as I rock with the rest of those whose lives are lonely too. And it's just beautiful. It's just so poetic and so... Yeah, I adore it. I had a really n- n- nervous moment on a podcast recently because um, that's a song that's been been played, been done by a lot of people. Nat King Cole has a, qu- a quite famous version. I can imagine him, him singing that. But my, my, my second favourite version is by... Um, Asafama B. Benjamin um, who is the mother of the rapper Jean Grey oh really and I had Jean Grey on the podcast and her mum had passed away a year or so before and I wanted to get onto it because I was like this is my favourite song ever and I had to say your mum's version is my second favourite version ever and she was like well this is important now what's your favourite and I got nervous and I was like it's the Johnny Hartman and John Coltrane version she's like that's correct. That's my favourite version. She's yeah. like, that's that's above. That's the best version. It's, and I was, I was like, oh, thank you. So suddenly, you know that thing of when you suddenly think you're being t- tested on something, you suddenly feel like a fraud, yeah. regardless. But yeah, I think it's beautiful. I think the the sentiment was a sentiment I hadn't really heard before yeah. in songs of kind of 
dismissive romance yeah. as a distraction. Songs are generally all about romance or all about you know love yeah. and these things. This was going nah. It's it's a distraction, stifling by those who strive. It's oh, I love it. I should mention at this point that um, when this comes out, there is a Spotify playlist which we will put in all the the social media when this comes out, so you can go and listen to all the tracks that uh, Pip's put on his album this evening. Yes. So to sort of round things off, I, I, like most people from our area, you, you've chose something that that most others choose to do. You, you decided not to, and you've, you've become a successful musician, you've become a successful yeah. actor, yeah. And, and and two books out, and, and I'm not going to massage your ego anymore. Probably the the best podcaster in the world, arguably. Like, top, top, top five. <laughs> <laughs> um, but did you never feel that kind of yearning to like, well, I've got to move to London? No, I was always scared of that. I always it's gonna sound really arrogant, but I always felt I was I was meant for something else. I didn't know what it was. I think it was the reality now looking back, it was I just didn't want to get a proper job. Um No, I meant more like when, when you and Dan blew up. Oh, and, when we blew up. No, uh, yeah. again uh, we blew up when I was a little bit older, I guess. Yeah. So I'd got through my sw- swinging off rafters and listening to break stuff days. Sure. Um so the appeal of excitement and, da- and 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 getting on it and partying, I, w- I wasn't particularly there. I was twenty five. All oh, right, yeah. When Thou Shout came out, yeah. So I was kind of a bit of a boring grown up at that point. I'd, you, I'd done my. You didn't have the alien ant farm haircut at that point. No, did I didn't. You? I'd got rid of that. But that was the first time I was in NME. Was um, <laughs> a photo, a review of an alien ant farm gig, and a photo of me on stage in between yep. um, the dude's legs. Yeah. Um, with my alien ant farm haircut. And uh, yeah, but no, yeah. So I'd gone, I'd been through all that, and it didn't, it didn't appeal. I also had a a, a little b- b- bit of it. I'd stumbled into being, I'd stumbled into becoming someone that people thought of as a poet of sorts, yeah. which was weird because I didn't grow up on poetry. I yeah. grew up on. I punk think and I think that's a, a, a fair thing that I think people perceive you as that. Definitely. So so it felt important. It felt that if I moved to London, and at the time again, we're doing a lot of gigs with. Jack Pignata and Kate Nash and Adele and all these mm-hmm. people who are all kind of in these cool little East London-y kind yeah. of areas. And I felt if I moved out that way, again, I, w- I didn't have tons of money, so the, it wasn't an option initially, but if I moved out that way, I'd get a warped perception of the world. It meant the world to me that I did um, the Shepherd's Bush Empire, I did spoken word at the, at the Shepherd's Bush Empire um, just before... Steve Coogan came out and did some 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 stuff as Partridge, and then The Cure came out and played, and then I got the train home and got abused for, for being a terrorist, and had some girls from Tilbury tr- trying to s- uh, set fire to my beard, and that was a key balance f- uh, for me, being aware that there's still, or living in an area that made it hard to avoid that we're not we've not figured it all out yet, we've not got it perfect, and at that point, as someone has said, who stumbled onto Angles being an album that people seem to think was l- l- lyrically or at least observationally strong, it felt almost responsibility to stay in an area that had its faults, an area that I had love for, but that had its 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 faults, so that I could still uh, witness that and be influenced by that and comment on that and that kind of thing. So yeah, it's a weird one. So 
up to date and 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 nowadays have you got any inclination to sort of move from the area what what's really. what's keeping you there family um i've got all my stuff there <laughs> you have got some stuff <laughs> <laughs> genuinely oh that's it the fact is at this stage i've got to a point in my life where i realize i'm not after nightlife i'm not after going out and partying so it doesn't really matter where i live yeah because most of the time I spend in my house, yeah. unless I'm out working somewhere. Uh-huh. So I could could live anywhere. So why move into London that's five times more expensive? Yeah. Um, initially, I guess at that initial point where I was buying at my first flat, I looked at London. But again, at that point, I was touring eight, nine months of the year. Yeah. So it's like, why pay London prices of for course. a place to sit empty? Whereas... The few months I'm home, I'd like to be near my mates and my family yeah. and stuff like that, you know. So is that, yeah, I guess it's familiarity. I've, I've come close to moving to LA in the past. Always like Bristol and Brighton and a few yeah. other places. Davil and Birmingham, Davil appealed more than London. But yeah, we're near enough to London, mate. It's, it's one of them, isn't it? It's like, well, a train ticket's a lot cheaper than, than the rent. Yeah. Or if it's you're as successful easy. as me and you, we can we can give your brother a drink and he'll drive us home when exactly. we've had a few gins exactly. after the book club. Exactly. It's way easier. Or you can go out and party with Tom Hardy and get your mum to pick you up yep, from East happened. London. <laughs> that definitely happened. But, but that, that night out, and it's a weird one because that is an illustration of how things never actually change. Because on that night out, I went out for Tom's Tom Hardy's birthday and... Um, I wasn't particularly drinking. And then I've mentioned this this once or twice. I won't go into tons of detail, but a few famous people turned up and one of them was, or two of them were channing a Tatum and his missus. And I feel like I've told this story a million times now, but I just, I'll go into it briefly. And I think they're great. And they were the, the nicest people. They were lovely, uninhibited, just friendly, not arrogant, just, just, just really nice. And me and Rob Parker's missus were like, let's go and have a dance with Channing Tatum and his wife and I hadn't been drinking so I had to go to the bar and literally knock back about four drinks in about ten minutes <laughs> to have the confidence <laughs> and to be comfortable enough on the dance floor because yeah. again up Hollywood's and that and, and the brush the first at least first half of the night is sitting around the corner yeah. just having enough drinks yeah, in yeah, me yeah. to be comfortable to go and have a dance it's not about the best song being played or whatever else it's about having enough, enough alcohol in me to not feel like a tit. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it was kind of nice to see that that hasn't changed at all. Even though I'm meant to be there being Scroobius Pip and being yeah. all confident and all that, I was like, quickly just get me some drinks in me so I can go and have it. And then I'm like, oh, California love. Can you take all the right. blue and yellow Skittles out of that yeah. place? <laughs> I'm just going to have a quick shot of whiskey and then just give me a couple of minutes. Just, just got to pop to the toilet. And then... So, look, the last but, yeah. question I, I got for you, mate, is... Um, and, and I know that this is the first podcast of this series, and I know that the people, and you're obviously the first person I've done this with as well, I imagine the rest of the guests are going to have more elaborate responses of restaurants and venues and uh, and stuff. And I know that yours is going to be the polar opposite. What is your perfect night to have in Essex? Again, it's going to be in my house. Of course it it's is. going to be in my house just watching. Like I do, 
What are you eating? For, for years, I've had to explain to Chris, to all my mates, that I love New Year's Eve because yeah. they all think I hate it. But I stay in on New Year's Eve because the fact is, it's a big night of the year. And my favourite thing isn't to be in a club around loads of drunk people. Yep. It's to be at home watching a good film and having a nice... I normally have a steak and I cook my own little sweet potato fries and I have some ice cream. And it's all it's all lovely. And that's a... Uh, yeah. It's a great night for me, a quiet, a quiet night in. <laughs> <laughs> One for the tourist fold of Essex but, there. But, but, I mean, the brush is still... A, the, the brush, when you're... It's going to sound insulting now, but... We'll, but when you're too old to be going to clubs, yep. the brush is still the one that you're like, oh, shall we? Get away with Let's that one. Let's just go. Let's Get just away go. With Let's that just one. go. It's been a while. Let's just go and have one night there. And you generally spend the whole night thinking, oh, why? I'm still not yeah. up for dancing yeah. and still feel like a tip. But yeah. yeah. I don't know. It's good. If you come down, I promise you I'll play uh, Come Back to What You Know. Oh, please I do. I embrace. And Pip, Tom will cry. Do you know what? We've come to the end and I was right nervous at the beginning. It's and right, then isn't it? What, what I didn't mention... Obviously, as we was going through in Naughty Jube, I had two neat shots of Bacardi. Hey, you knocked them. Uh, to, uh, all right, what's going on here? Not take the edge off the nerves. I was a little bit, a little bit nervous, but um, as it's gone on, it's uh, it's been a real joy. Thank yeah, it's you. It's been good fun. Thank you very much. And uh, yeah, I'll probably see you in the next couple of days. Yeah. yeah. See ya. See ya. Well, there you have it. That was the end of the first ever Off the Beaten Track podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. I had a really good time. As I mentioned at the beginning, I was really nervous to start with. And about 10 minutes in, you probably hear bottles clanking in my bar. And uh, and I had a big shot of whiskey or vodka, I can't remember, uh, which kind of chilled me out a little bit. And uh, and and it, it seemed really strange. It's Pip, it's my mate. Why was I nervous? But it did seem strange doing podcasts and not having Chris to bounce off. So... Thanks ever so much for listening. Go and subscribe and let me know on all the places where you can leave comments and stuff what you thought. And let us know who you'd like me to chat to. And yeah, just if you, you liked it or you didn't like it, let me know. And um, and I'll see you next week for a really, really good guest. And I'm, I'm hopefully I'll come back and listen to episode two. Have a really nice week and I'll see you next time. Bye-bye. <laughs> It's off the beat and track podcast on the Distraction Pieces Network. It's me, Stu Whipping. Eat it, monkey.